0: Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 39 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled, New Commandment, New God. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Amen. As we continue uh, this morning, I'm going to move rather quickly. (laughs) It's usually mine 10, isn't it? Uh, To move fairly quickly on these topics so that I can... uh, 45 minutes every week, uh, once a week, is hard to cover a lot of information in that short amount of time that we need to be looking at and considering. So today, as we're moving forward uh, in this, uh, as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's amazing how this topic encompasses so much of the It is the New Testament. It's about the second coming of Christ. And we are to encourage each other with these words about His second coming. So hopefully that is what's right on our conscious and subconscious minds at all times. Now here's the time period again. These are what we've been covering. Time of deceptions, delusions, illusions, false perceptions, progressive uh, reinterpretation, selfish prophets, running prophets, and third-day prophets... (laughs) The pagan church, woke culture, and today we're going to touch a little bit on the black horse and what's uh, happening here. Now, uh, last week I went over just to bring us back up to speed a little bit rather quickly. I spoke about Christendom versus Christianity. Uh, Christendom is any form of Christianity, anything that anybody that claims to be somewhat Christian. It's what we call in the, under the umbrella of Christendom, even though we know that everybody under that umbrella are not Christian. Or I'll even need to perhaps break it down a little stronger uh, to who's born again and who's not. So we need to understand the deception and the difference between Christendom in Christianity, very important as I've said before, uh, I, I'm of the pre-tribulation rapture uh, idea, and I believe that the Christianity within Christendom is Christianity, and within Christianity is a remnant of believers. And there's part Christendom will be going through tribulation. There's just no doubt about it. And uh, so I also joke about it every now and then. I I also heard a rumor that God was going to take you out of here, however how you believe. Yeah, that was actually a joke. Uh, so if you want to stay around for the show, you go ahead. I, I, he said, I had a fellow, they said, oh, you're doing to escapism theology. I said, you better believe it. I want to escape hell, and I want us to escape this great tribulation. I said, count me guilty. <laughs> That's the only thing I can tell you. Because the cross of Christ delivers us and keeps us from a lot of wrath. Anyway, so as we move on here. Now, there again, I uh, have teased in times past that pre-tribulation, give or take seven or eight years, and that usually keeps me in good graces of of all my friends. So with culture, we spoke of that last week. And this is very important as we're moving forward. That Last week, we kind of dissected the word culture. And uh, uh, we'll look at it re- quickly here again. The customs and arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or social group, is the is the dictionary's definition of culture. And we all say, "Well, we got this culture, we got that culture, we got all these different cultures." And so, when we look and use the word culture, we won't understand what does this word culture actually mean. If you want kind of a detailed. Understanding, you really need to start into last week's uh, teaching. Now, people of a culture is a cult. In other words, you got a culture, and who are the people of that culture? It's called a cult. Cult is a people of a culture. But now, something happened to the word culture back in uh, the 1600s, 1700s. A cult refers to religious groups who believe in the mystical, the spiritual, the paranormal, or the supernatural. Now, in dissecting the word culture, you come to find out that the beginning of this word culture, cult, is the religious side of the term culture. All right, are you with me? So a cult tends to include, it's the people of a culture. And all these people in a culture, the word cult, Every culture has a religion. Every culture has a religion. Man has been created to worship something or somebody, and you can say you don't, or you want to, and you do. Just like you want air to breathe, you're going to worship something. So, so but the, but so the word cult, dissection. It cult means that word, that part of culture means more or less the. Uh, mystical or the side that worshipped. Uh, culture refers to a community, and culture means uh, it's a culture, a uh, misspell there, as well as worship. So this changed kind of during the dark ages of enlightenment. We went into a little more detail last week. The religious side of culture was being divided from the term culture by reason and science. So during the age of enlightenment with culture, science and during the age of enlightenment, was wanting to pull out the religious side of a culture. So to, to do that, you've got to extract uh, the culture. So now, now it's a big battle is between science and religion, right? Well, that happened back in the age of enlightenment. It was, but, the, but the process that was happening was to extract religion from culture. And so that's what uh, was the division there. It was then that the word occult was added to the definition of cult. So, so cult being the mystical side of any culture, what happened in the Age of Enlightenment is they had to demonize the word cult or the, or the side that was into what they were calling the relate, religious side of any culture. So then what happened was we got to demonize a cult, and we'll call say that it's demonized. Now we'll call it the occult, and I went into that prefix last week of what it actually meant. The religious side of the word culture was being demonized. Now the religion was viewed as suspicion in the age of enlightenment. Very, it was, that's just the way that it was viewed, very suspicious. So therefore, uh, knowledge or enlightenment and science made this decision, let's just pull religion out of a culture We'll kind of nickname it occult so that it demonizes it. Now a smart people's left, right? And all the religious people are gone, and now it's just a smart people. So now this battle between the smart people and the religious people has been going on for centuries. Now let's, let's, let's watch it here. Occult definition is supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, phenomena, uh, the prefix "oc" means oblivious, so it, I went over that last week. So it, you got occult. It means that you're, you you don't know what's going on. Occult. That's what. So you added "oc" to the word "cult." You got occult. Uh, then we went into now last week where we left off is I was going into the last part of the word "culture." Now here here the "ure" of culture means uh, act of mingling. Or the Latin uh, is to mix with. So here you see in a culture, you have. Uh, in the age of enlightenment, there was a, a cancel culture. In the age of enlightenment, and what the cancel culture culture of enlightenment, is the same things happening today instead of allowing uh, for somebody else to have another idea or to have a religion, we're just, if you don't agree with me, I'm just going to cancel you. That comes out of the age of enlightenment. We're going to cancel you. Now, Christianity, we have this idea that the prophets of God would challenge the prophets of Baal. They didn't cancel the prophets of Baal. They challenged them. There's a difference. Now your faith and your, uh, with you and God should be at such a place that you can challenge the prophets of Baal. And our God should win. If any other religion is more true than Christianity, bring it on. Right? Right? Our faith in God, the Word of God, will stand. Proof text is it's still here, right? Now, so keep this, so the U-R-E has got to mingle, it's got to bring together. So even though they tried to get rid of culture, the religious side of any culture, The truth is what happens is it always has a type of mingling. That's the reason people say separation of church and state, but I'm like, it's a mixture. You you can say it all day long, but it's it's, it's not going to happen. You will always have a religious belief in any culture. Now, let's move on quickly. Those who favor reason function just like a cult, or it's a culture. It's a religious uh, uh, type to it. Has its own fraternity. They seek to wipe out all opposition. They cancel their opponents. The priests of human reason become their own gods with irrational human fantasies. And uh, now I'm going to get into one today. One of those fantasies is is climate change. It's 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 uh, we're net zero carbon by 2030. Net zero carbon. Uh, I don't know what they think the plants are going to live off of, you see. So anyway, so let's look at this. The goal is always to make people feel good about themselves. That's the goal. Now, let's move on. This is in considerations in the previous teaching of last week and going into today. Considerations in understanding the end times. Now, we went over Christendom or the universal church. I went over that all the way back to Alexander the Great if you, in previous teachings. Christendom, this world of religion, of Christian religion, is called the universal church, which we have that today also in a big way And Catholicism, even though we can't blame Catholicism for everything in universal church. Uh, you'll see that in a minute. The remnant of the true-born-again Christians. And you know, we need to understand this and consider this. The nation Israel always had a remnant. It was a, a group of believing uh, Christians today. In our world, you'd call it messianic Jews. Now, culture is where religion versus enlightenment. That's where we are today as we move forward. Now, now we're going to look at a new end time culture arising in the end times of the book. There's a new culture, which will be a a new a new religion and a new mingling is is what will happen. So we got a new. In uh, time culture rising. The people that are not in the church, now think of this, people that are not in the church get angry with people in the church when they treat the culture around them as if it were their church. Anybody hear me? In other words, we tend to want to use the United States as our church. And people that aren't in the church get angry with that. I mean, i would be honest with you, I get it. Uh, now, you might, I might stretch you just a little here, but I'm, I'm making a point. People of the world don't like it. Or people of the United States that aren't believers don't like it when we try to make out the United States to be our church. Now, the truth is, we're not, that's not true. We're not supposed to do that. Are you with me? I know we want to be founded on godly uh, principles and, and all, all of that. I'm, I'm for all of that. But the church is to influence our culture. Our culture is not our church. Our country is not our church, even though we want to influence our country. Now look at it as we move forward, and I'll show you why understandable perhaps but that is precisely what the globalists are doing the great reset and climate change activist they are trying to change the world the economy uh, the United States the, the the globalists are trying to make the world their church so we got a problem uh, uh, they're wanting it to be so we're wanting the United States to be our church and uh, globalists want the United States and the rest of the world to be their church and I submit that neither one of those are proper behavior. Uh, We are Christians that should have such a relationship with God that our uh, very existence intimidates the hell out of hell. That's what we're supposed to be we're not to crawl into a corner. Our presence and our relationship with God should scare the bejeebies out of hell. Now the question is, do we or does it? Now let's watch it. The church is to influence our culture, not the other way around. In other words, if the, if the church has the power and presence of God, guess what? We will influence our culture. Yes, that what else? If the culture, if we do not have the presence of God, the culture of our country or whatever will influence us. So I submit to this prophetic group and to the church house and the church of God that our culture is influencing us highly. Okay. We can try to stop that all we want to, but you can't stop it. Unless... You entertain a high level of the presence of God. It's the only thing. The high level of the presence of God is the only thing that will keep uh, a fallen culture from invading us. Now we're being invaded and we're being invaded fast. Some people want to say, well, we're not in a war. I'm like, we're not in a war, we're being invaded. <laughs> It's at our doorsteps. We're living in a war. Now watch this. Mixture creates confusion in the church. And in the scriptures here, there are two sources of supernatural power, God and Satan, as we all know. 1 John 4, one puts it this way, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. The Bible also tells us, test all things, hold fast Uh, to what is good. So this gives us the indication and the idea we need to test everything because it might have a pretty heavy mixture to it. Now, why do Christians tolerate mixture in the church? It's because we tolerate mixture in our lives. Is that true or false? That's true. Now, let's move. Mixture creates problems, huge problems, in your life and in the church. You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. The point here was not necessarily the wool. The point was the mixture I've told you the greatest gift that you can use uh, in, in, in studying scriptures is the ability to make a distinction. When you can't make a distinction, you cannot understand the scriptures. When you cannot make a distinction in life, you will lose reality. That's the reason the world's trying to, as I said before, blur distinctions. Male and female, yada, yada, yada. Trying to blur distinctions, so therefore you cannot see clearly. Everything that God has created has a distinction to it. That's right. Now, that's key in understanding Scripture. If you if you try to blend and mix the Scripture with today's culture, you know that's reason today. You know, and there's so many translations out there. Dale, well, I can understand this one better. I'm like. It's, yeah, but it's got so much of your culture mixed in with it. It's the reason you understand it. But your culture is rotten, you see. So you need a good translation of the Word of God, not where it's easy done for you to understand. You might need to go to school and learn English well, you know. I mean, let's I'll give you an example. I saw this uh, uh, thing on the... It was sent to me about this... Talking about a redneck... People call me redneck all the time. Sometimes I'm proud and sometimes I'm offended. And uh, But he said that his uh, rednecks, he said uh, said that the, the word he was using was fortify. And he was proud that the word man used the word fortify. And he hollered to his wife, said, honey, I can't take you to church today. And she hollers back, well, why? He said, well, I've done had fortified beers this morning. <laughs> so it's all in translation. <laughs> it's all in translation. If I got to explain that to you, we are in trouble. Okay. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in the church is mixture, mixing worldly philosophies with the Word of God, mixing flesh with the power of God, and mixing false teaching with true. With true. Children of Israel were continually getting in trouble for this. We all know it. We know if we know our Bible. Mixing with pagan practices and idolatry. Why did God make this an issue with Israel? Because there's a reason. There's a reason bigger than Israel. It's the reason is understanding how God thinks. And to understand how God thinks, a mixture's a problem. They tried to worship God and worship idols as well at the same time. We have to ask ourselves, believers, we have to ask ourselves the truth. Are we doing this? They wanted to mix the rituals of the Gentiles with their own worship. This always brought the judgment of God every time. So therefore we know God is not into mixture. Uh, the The last church in the book of Revelation is called Laodicea. The problem with that church was a mixture of hot and cold. So one of the greatest... Uh, Things that will happen in this end time church is a mixture of hot and cold, which makes us lukewarm. And uh, God's answer to that was something like that. It makes him sick and he's going to throw us up out of his mouth. That's what God, this thing of mixture is huge. It's a big deal. It is the deal of this day that we're in. So we've got to be looking for this Always. The same tendency is in the church. Some teach humanistic philosophy along with biblical principles. Some teach New Age practices along with genuine gifts of the Spirit. And this can be no more true than in the prophetic community. In the prophetic community. We'll not go into all of those things. Now, that produces something. When you get this mixture, if the Laodicean church is what the church is going to look like, In the end times, it's this mixture. Then we already know that the characteristics of this church is they're going to have the tendency and for some reason this humanistic need to have a mixture of world with religion. Does it not seem to you if you didn't want to do God, just go sin and forget it? What's the deal of being so compelled to do a mixture when you have lost humanity, is totally okay with just sin. God, you go your way. I'm going to go my way in sin. Human nature is good with that. But demonic nature wants to mix humanism with religion. So I know that any mixture is demonic. I don't have to say somebody's having a bad day and they're thinking. It's demonic is what it is. Now, I'm going to move a little quicker. Worldwide mixture is what we're looking at. Has anybody heard of the COP27? Raise your hands if you've heard of this. Okay. It's about a third of you. COP27 is being held in Egypt today. It started the 6th of November. I think it goes through the days the 13th, is it not? I think it goes through maybe the 16th. Uh, this is the United Nations uh, yearly meeting on climate change. Now, this year's a little different. It's in Egypt, uh, at, uh, this fancy resort. Uh, they were going in all the details how people in that resort town were so happy that the government came in and fixed up her slums. They didn't want all these dignitaries from the U.N. to see them. <laughs> and uh, kind of like us with the Olympics, I guess. So, but this is going on right now, COP27, you can look it up on the internet, go to the UN page, it's all right there, you can watch it it live stream and all if you want to. But what this is about is about climate change. Now climate change is an issue. A lot of people think, so I'm just off on climate change. Well, the truth is, yes I am, but there's for a reason. That's the thing that's been chosen, climate change, because climate change is what you can instill fear into the earth with. Who, who is not going to have a soft spot for the, your climate, right? So, now watch this. There it is, COP27. It's in, uh, how do you pronounce that? El Sheikh, uh, uh, 2022. It's in Egypt. COP27 is a UN meeting where world leaders gather. Now watch this. They discuss what to do about climate change. This year they are inviting religious leaders from around the world. Now what's different in this year's climate change meeting is they've called all these religious leaders in. So this is a meeting that the delegates are two-thirds of of the highest-ranking religious leaders of the world. Every religion that's out there. I started, I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to post all the religions that are represented. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it'll take four slides. So all of the religious leaders, now this is kind of headed up by two main people. Uh, one is the Pope, and the other one is King Charles. They're the main drivers in this, along with, of course, the, the, the U.N., because this is a U.N.-sanctioned climate change meeting. He said, now, Alan, this is Sunday morning church. Why are you bringing this up? It's because I'm trying to bring you a word of encouragement so you'll leave from here feeling good. That was total sarcasm right there. Now, Pope Francis and the religious leaders decided to get together and have an interfaith day at Mount Sinai. Now, this this place is about maybe two hours, where this big resort is about two hours from Mount Sinai. So the religious leaders got together and said, all right, and the UN called them in. This is they're gonna, you know, this banner of religion. They called all the religious leaders in to join the climate change message. So the, so the religious leaders came with and said, well, we need to be close to Mount Sinai. So they did it at this resort in Egypt, a couple hours from Mount Sinai. Now, here's the point. They are going to call for a new universal Ten Commandments. It's all right there. If you want watch it live stream probably, the day they're doing it is November the 13th. Anybody know what day that is? That's today. It's either already happened or going on as we speak that all these religious leaders, including the Pope and everybody else, have carted themselves from this resort area to Mount Sinai. And they're all going to pray to their God at Mount Sinai. And what they're going to pray is for, it's going to be a prayer of repentance. I'll give it to you here in just a minute. Pope Francis invites Christians to a month of ecological conversion. Anybody hear that terminology? (laughs) He's called for a month and he said, Well, what is economic, what is ecological conversion? Number one, the term conversion to me is a religious term. And, and, and when you see uh, the ecological conversion, the idea is the ecosystem, the idea is to convert the whole religious world to try to adopt this idea of saving the planet. Now watch this. Pope Francis calls on Christians to repent and modify our lifestyles to save the planet. Say, well, Alan, doesn't everybody want to save the planet? Well, there's the hook again. Here's the problem. I'm a farmer. I was saving the planet before that statement was cool. We've been saving. We've been, we do everything with conservation. Everything we do is about saving the planet. It has been for 100 years. And so when somebody comes up and acts like the farmers are destroying the planet, that does not make me happy. <laughs> so therefore, I am not happy when that statement's made. Because number one, I know it's not the truth. I know somebody's totally speaking out of school. Now, let's move on. COP27, King Charles hosts a meeting ahead of the uh, climate summit. So two or three days before this summit began, which I think was November the 6th, at Buckingham Palace, uh, King Charles III has hosted a reception to discuss tackling climate change as global leaders prepare for the UN Climate Summit, uh, COP27. So he has a, a couple hundred But the main ones, they come, Buckingham Palace, uh, he does his reception, but actually they're having a huge roundtable about what's going to be discussed at the meeting. Uh, Prince Charles did not go. Now, why do I keep using Prince Charles? Because Prince Charles is a major player in the end times. And not only is he a major player in the end times, he's a major player. in using climate change as a controlling factor. Now, watch it. About 200 politicians and campaigners met at Buckingham Palace, including PM Russia Chinook, U.S. Climate Envoy John Kerry, does anybody know him? Uh, and COP President Alok uh, Sharma. The king is internationally known for his climate work, but it was agreed he would not go to COP27. That's another whole topic uh, that's not even relevant to us, really. There he is at that summit and greeting these people. Now, Declaration from Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development. There's now uh, being built and almost completed. uh, I think it's in Germany. It's one place, different places in the world where we have uh, Christian, uh, Jewish, Muslim, a few other faiths. Are It's called Interfaith. They're building buildings uh, all together to show their allegiance to each other as a unified uh, faith uh, legion, if you will, of the earth. Uh, one of the things it's called is called as Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development. That's the term. Very, I mean, sounds pretty harmless to me. Now, here, here's the declaration. Between November the 6th and 18th, 2022, the UN Climate Conference, COP27, will take place on Sinai Peninsula in Sharm El shek Egypt, religious communities and religious leaders have a key role to play in addressing climate change and climate justice. See the word justice there? Anybody see the word justice there? Keep looking at the word justice, we'll come back to it, which requires deep transformation within society. The knowledge of what changes are critically needed to diminish long-term harm to the planet is readily available. However, bringing about change in action demands deeper changes in attitude a change of heart. This has been the domain for, uh, of religious, for millennial religions, our sources of inspiration for the transformation of heart and ensuring changes of attitude. So the Great Reset, those globalists at, at hand understand they've, they can't quite get all the nations to come into the uh, unity of the Great Reset and the globalism. So now what they're doing this year is they're turning to religion, knowing that they are going to unify religion, I've pretty much done it, unifying all the major religions of the earth to adopt this message, climate change. Now, has anybody ever heard or seen the on, on uh, the internet? Uh, it's kind of like the Smithsonian or History Channel or whatever, it's called GIA, G-A-I-A. Anybody, raise your hands if you've seen it. It's amazing, not many, maybe one or two or three. Huge thing on the internet uh, Gaia, G-A-I-A, that is the Greek term for the mother goddess of the earth. And so they have this whole channel, it's a New Age channel, all that. They have some in, incredible documentaries that are made. I'm not going to say it's not put together well, it's put together real well. And But the whole idea is the mother goddess of the earth. And so what we have in place here is we do have, in which Trevor will be speaking more about it, but he has been speaking about the different fallen angels being the principalities and powers and the gods and goddesses. You remember his teaching over the earth? The reason that teaching is so important is because it applies to us so much now. And this is what's happening here is this goddess where they're inching towards is Mother Earth and thus worshiping Mother Earth. Can anybody say, Alan, I think it is the last days? Anybody? And, and so the, we have this religion that's coming forth now, of the worshiping, the mother uh, goddess. Here's the next thing they say. Um, in COP27, will God deliver 10 commandments for climate change? That's supposed to happen today. They're going to the mountain. They're all praying. Now, here's what they're repenting for, and I think I've got the repentance they all agreed on, was they're repenting for destroying Mother Earth. And we're going to repent of our ways, and we're going to act and do better, and then they list all these ways we're going to act and do better. We'll get into that. Now, this is kind of this kind of bothers me a little bit. This happened actually in Jerusalem, and this was in the the Jerusalem Post. Jerusalem, Jer- Jerusalem, Israel has sent a big delegation to this. They're they're saying, it, "Wow, this is good." Uh, the UN Climate Change Conference in proximity to Mount Sinai could be the prime time for the force of religion to speak climate truth to dirty power for the world, and especially Israel. If you don't know where Israel is, that's where Israel is. Israel with the group that's there now, uh, with climate change, they are agreeing uh, with a lot of what's uh, going on there. But you've got to understand Israel when the Antichrist comes on the scene, and then, you, then they sign this peace treaty. Uh, when you understand that uh, part of the end times, it's like, oh, okay, this is, wow, this is making total sense. Uh, now, there's a picture of Mount Sinai. and Sinai, a prophetic call for climate justice and ceremony of repentance. That is the title, not my title. That is their title taken off a UN website to say what this t- today That's about. This is all information, information off of that. Now, it's a declar- Here's what they call it, Declaration from Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development. Mount Sinai is a mountain whose memory and meaning loom large as a place of revelation in the collective consciousness of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and others. As an ancient sacred space, it was the site of a prophetic experience in receiving God's message for the prophets Moses and Elijah and all three Abrahamic traditions and the Prophet Muhammad in the Muslim tradition. COP 27 taking place in Sinai can remind humanity of our sacred responsibility to take care of God's creation. This is on their website. You can say, well, I don't know why that sounds so bad. If I got to tell you, we have problems. It goes on to say, it's off their website. We come to Sinai in a moment of repentance and quest. We seek a new vision for humanity and its endangered existence, and we seek to receive and amplify a message of life-sustaining living and habits that humanity needs to hear today. In this spirit, the project partners will bring together premier religious leaders from the world's major religions to put forth a prophetic, inter-religious call to action, Ten Universal Principles for Climate Change, or a New Ten Commandments. Anybody bothered? That's very bothersome to me. Now, that's when you tear that thing about, they're talking about a whole new religion. Right. Bringing all religions together. It talks about how you live and act. That's the reason we come in here and read the Bible so we know how to live and act. Right. They're going to replace all that. you got to be able to interpret what you're reading right. to worship Mother Earth. To resonate a Claritin spiritual call for climate action throughout faith-based communities and around the world. Now, this is coming off of theirs. To provide thought leadership for faith-based communities ready to mobilize on climate change. Because what they're wanting to do is just hijack all religions and use them as, as the evangelist. But you gotta understand now they've already got printed material. It's already being after today. They've already got all of the the it's going out on TVs around the globe and all churches. It's going across the earth where you can get you can get your free material. I'm gonna show you a little of it if you'll put it up with me. As we launched the Sinai Climate Partnership during COP27 in November. 2022, the initiative will unveil 10 universal principles of climate justice. Here, here's what being interpreted they're saying we're sinning against Mother Earth. Right. So you're calling it justice. So, therefore, to drive a car means you're in sin, right. you're burning fossil fuel. Right. To burn wood in your wood stove, you're in sin. You got to interpret what's happening. Now, here's the intended impact and goals. This is not mine. This is off of their material, totally off of their material. Inspire and unleash the power of an interfaith movement as a change agent for the climate actions at political and social levels. You're talking about a wave. That's what, they're, they're looking for a total revival around the world. We're looking for the Great Revival. They're calling on the Great Revival. They're calling this a prophetic call to promote a coalition of religious leaders to work together for climate action, encourage religious leaders and communities to expand education and actions around climate change. They've got all these religious leaders together. Now here's going to be your new agenda. Yes, your new assignment. Mobilize local religious actors and civil society to partake in tangible activities that tackle their community needs. This is their handbook. This is what's in their handbook. Partner with civil society sectors, such as faith, NGOs, and movements that align with our goals to amplify the message shared at COP. Expand an already existing interfaith climate efforts through local partnerships. What will take place today? And it's amazing how I'm bringing this and all this is taking place today. Yeah. There, or it's already happened. I don't know the time. It's either yet to come or, or it's, where are we? Seven hours. So, seven hours. so seven up. That makes me thirsty. All right. Mount Sinai. At Sinai, a prophetic call for climate justice in a ceremony of repentance. Now they're going through a ceremony of repentance at Mount. We come to Sinai in a movement of repentance and quest. We seek a new vision for humanity and its a endangered existence, and we seek to receive and amplify a message of life-sustaining living habits that humanity needs to hear today. In this spirit, the project partners will bring together premier religious leaders from the world's major religions together at Mount Sinai to get these ten universal commandments. They are actually meeting on Mount Sinai. This is where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and this is where they are going to bring their new universal Ten Commandments on climate justice and how we need to live. Can you, anybody prophetically like see the imagery? And you're like, I mean, I, I'm guilty. I said, God, give them an earthquake, swallow them, open it up, <laughs> let her fall. I'm guilty. I totally raised judgment and did not raise a cross. I said, God, I'll do that tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it worked, but. Not how we need to live for God. Not about Jesus and salvation, but how we are to live for Mother Earth and her environment. There again, is there some truth? There's some truth in there. Do we all want to take care of the environment? Of course. But I'm just telling you, I was looking after it it before it became cool. Now, InterfaithSustain.com. if anybody wants to write that down. You can see that's their ledger. You can go online there and see. There's actually a Lutheran priest there from New Zealand or somewhere that gave his whole spiel on. It's just, I mean, you can go on and on and on. But Sustain.com. You can watch a video of a Lutheran archbishop from Finland. That's where he's from. He promotes globalism and a vegetarian diet. Oh, well, but you're kidding. <laughs> oh, well, I'm fooled. Never saw that coming. Uh, that's what, see, that's the whole idea. That's their promotion. You've got to be able to translate what you're reading and what you're seeing they're saying. Not only does he call for people to stop eating meat, he says we are to have a net zero carbon output by 2030. Yeah, a net zero. I mean, now number one, that's just okay, that's what they're calling for. We must translate what is being said. No warming your home with coal, wood, or fuel. Not driving a car with gasoline or diesel. Being interpreted. That's what it means. Now I'm gonna show you a little something here quickly. I got a few minutes. Just, they actually have a Bible they're putting out. I mean, I mean, come on, you got a new Ten Commandments. Would you not expect a new Bible to put them in? Right. So here they got these. I, I copied some of the posters uh, that they have that so you can call in or write in, and they'll send you hundreds of posters to put up in your church, in your place of worship, they said. The Bible, they call it Eco Bible. And that's what it says on top. You're probably too small. You can't see it. If you go to that website, that you just, you can see it. Uh, biodiversity and animal welfare. So they, they got that. Then they come over here. They do They do have a little picture of Noah's art. See how there's a mixture? It's, it's a biblical mixture. Uh, they got my favorite one over here. They got dairy cows on one of them. There it is. Uh, at the bottom, they got factory farms. See the black and white cows? Now, one good thing about being in the culture that we're in, I'm offended. So, somebody needs to do something. That offends me. I milk those cows. They're calling me a factory farm. And they say you're supposed to do it like the, the example on top. Got this, this happy little farmer, and he's got two cows. Yeah, one chicken. And it's a rooster. Somebody. You're going to starve to death on the top. Here's another one. The vegan lifestyle. It's in the eco-bible. This one is relating trees to Jewish wisdom. So they're going to help put a big Jew thing in there. Then they got a scientific perspective on trees and forests. And at the top, you can see Bible info, infographics. Now, Climate change dialogue is being translated as really about world control. Absolutely. That's the part you got to understand. Is climate changing? Climate has always been changing. Do you, according to science, do you know what controls the climate of the earth? The sun. Go up and mess it up, somebody. God put something in the air that we can't mess up if we want to mess up. Now, climate change dialogue being translated is really about world control. That's what we've got to understand. This sounds just like the system the Antichrist uses to take world control. That's what all the religions are coming together under one world religion. That's perfect, the Antichrist. And they're going to be controlling something. The Antichrist will be in control of the monetary system and in control of buying and selling and all the processes of the earth. That's where we're headed. Revelation and the black horse. He causes uh, scarcity and famine within the earth. Again, being translated, we need to go to carbon net zero means no farming and no animal farming. Now, here's what's happening. They're running out of diesel fuel and gas in Germany right now. United States, we're like two weeks out of diesel fuel right now because of this mess. You're going to run out of food. They're coming against farming, so that all the all of the it just so happens the earth was well balanced. You didn't see many hunger videos on TV anymore. Why? Because the hunger problem was being taken care of. We were feeding the world in tw- less than 24 months. We can't get enough gas in Germany. I'm sorry. I'm not going to blame it on Biden. I'm going to blame it on the last 24 months. Is that all right? Okay. I'm just saying the whole ideology of that thing. It's designed. People are not this stupid. uh, Not all of them. The goal is to make us hungry and cold. So you have to rely upon a world system of government. It has a goal in mind. I'm just as, I do not, I, I told God this, early this morning, I, was, I said, God, can I not have a happy message? He said, I'll give you two before Christmas. I said, thank you, Lord. So if you hang with me till Christmas, I'm going to give you two feel-good ones. But it's just the reality and where we're living. It's a prophetic class, a prophetic group. We're supposed to deal in truth. British energy bills will rise 80 percent to an average of 4,188 dollars a year from October, according to this regulator. Said on Friday, calling it a crisis that needed to be tackled by urgent, divisive government actions. They're in such trouble over there; it ain't funny. U.S. diesel inventories are at near record lows, rattling a wide swath of economy, from fuel suppliers to farmers. Controlling the environment of the world is the goal. That's the idea. Could this fear lead to famine and scarcity? Faith-inspired climate justice is what COP27 is all about, happening right now. They are calling this event their prophetic call, which is planning a big social media push. We're right here at it. They are really encouraging their religious leaders to be engaged in this dialogue and to show how it is A sin when we use gasoline or any type of fossil fuels that generate carbon output. See, it's already here. People are already subconsciously feeling bad to use gas. So, subconsciously, oh, I'm destroying the earth. Mash on the gas. Oh, can't destroy the earth. Subconsciously, it's already embedded in us. It's a control thing. The world uh, religions come together to worship the creation, coming together with the idea we are all serving the same God. Many rose to one God, is what they're saying at COP27. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like incorruptible man to birds, forfeited beasts, creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to cleanliness through the luster of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And we can go on and on and on and on, but I think you get the point. Now, with this in mind, the idea is Through all of this, if your relationship with God is tight, you're okay. As far as you personally, God will look after His people. But on the other hand, we're not here to crawl ourselves into a hole that God might look after us. We are here to affect culture. But culture is affecting us. How do we affect culture? Culture is through what's called the power and the presence of Almighty God. It's a scary thing to carry the Word of God and claim all God's going to do and not have the power of God on your life and the presence of God sustainable in your life. Church, we got to wake up and we got to step up. Sin, just get rid of it. And yes, burning gasoline is not one of them. You know if you're right with God or not. You know that. You know what area in your life you, you got a huge mixture. God's going to spew you out of your mouth. You say, well, Alan, does that mean I'm lost and then saved and saved and lost? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't take a chance on it. I'd just get my heart and life right with God. All right, I'm done. Now, I lay it on your lap. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. I ask and pray if I've said anything that's not of you, O God, that it would fall to the ground. If anything that I've said is the truth of your heart and of your kingdom, that as Christians and as believers, we would wake up to the times we're living in. Dear God, it's my prayer that no fear, zero fear comes out of this teaching. But courage and faith would arise in your people. Give us courage and faith to walk with you, to have a relationship with you, to have the power of the kingdom of God on our lives, that we might affect the culture that is around us. Let people be at dismay of the power and the presence of God upon God's people. Let them be impressed, let them be scared. Let them be drawn to your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.